AI allows one person to become 20 people. I've been waiting for something like Genius AI for a long time to empower my teams to create the content at the scale necessary to really grow a brand at the breakneck speed it needs to grow at. Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. We're diving back into AI to cover its game-changing role in content creation and Google's response to AI-generated content. A must-listen episode for marketers looking to keep the algorithm happy and rank content on page one. Our featured guest is Ben Brown. He's the Chief Experience Officer at Juji, the world's leading cognitive AI platform, and for this episode, our AI expert. He shares advice and insights on the state of AI technology in the next five years, leveraging AI for the rapid production of actually good content, and preparing for Google's response to AI-generated content. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks for free at demandjump.com today. And now here are your co-hosts, Drew Detzler and Ryan Brock. Welcome back to Page One or Bust. This is your co-host, Drew Detzler. Uh, as always, joined by my co-host, Ryan Brock. Ryan, how we doing? Yo. Oh, man. I'm so good today. How are you, Drew? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, and joining us today is the Chief Experience Officer at Juji AI, Ben Brown. Ben, how we doing? Uh, Drew, Ryan, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. Um, calling you in from uh, sunny San Diego right now. And... Yeah, life is good. You know, last night, Ben, um, I took my my four-year-old son trick-or-treating. Today is November 1st when we're recording this. And uh, we live in Indianapolis, which is relatively far south compared to where I grew up anyway. And it snowed on us. It snowed, snowed on, us. on us. So you starting this conversation talking about <laughs> sunny Southern California is kind of an act of war. I just wanted to let you know that. I can very fairly say that it has never snowed on me uh, during my trick-or-treating days. So oh, that's man. quite the experience. Yeah, it, it, it was cold by San Diego standards. It was uh, it was in the mid fifties. Oh man, that hurts. Well, all right. I know this is going to be, be a nice. good episode because Ryan's getting combative already, which is uh, <laughs> this, this is what we look for. It's my love language. <laughs> it truly yeah. is. Perfect. It truly Perfect. is. All right, Ben. Why, why don't we get started? Uh, tell us a little bit about Juji AI and and what goes on there. Absolutely. Thank you, Drew. So Juji is the leading cognitive AI platform. Cognitive AI is a term that is relatively undiscovered. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I don't, I oh, don't yeah. think I've ever encountered this term yeah. a single time. So cognitive AI is essentially AI with empathy, AI with EQ or emotional intelligence, which is a very cool, groundbreaking, and at the same time, very scary technology. Scary in a good way. And what's Juji's AI is able to do is in a very simple, basic chatbot conversation, the AI is able to isolate your personality type and your personal strengths within a couple of words. Typically, it needs about 100 words to give you a personality assessment that exceeds the accuracy of almost any major personality test offered at this point. Um, It gives you more accurate results than you would be able to have if you were to go into a lab and take an hours long exam. And it does this through a just proprietary methodology of cognitive psychology and worth analysis. For some background, Juji was created by the lead designers of IBM's Watson, and they took the personality assessment technology that they were working on with Watson, and they were able to commercialize it into what has made Juji into Juji today. 
So my role with Juji is as CXO is to oversee the entire customer journey, marketing, sales, customer experience with a heavy influence on product development. Okay, very cool. Let's screw SEO for a sec because I want to learn a little bit more about about this. We'll get back to SEO. <laughs> Honestly, I, I pulled up the website while you're talking. I wish we had it open because I want to know what it can learn about me because many people know me as a as so, something of an enigma wrapped in a mystery. I don't I don't say a lot, and I think that it'd be interesting to know what the what the chatbot could get, uh, you know, what it could read on me. Yeah. For, first of all, I want to uh, I want our listeners to understand that Ryan just said that he doesn't talk a lot. We'll, we'll have to take a poll to see if uh, everyone agrees with that. I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of like a smoldering, brooding type. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> seriously, though, I yeah, I think we're gonna have to do like a spinoff episode of this one where we like you know see see what the AI says. Because I honestly have been searching for myself for 20 years. And if the robot can find me, I'm all for it. Same. Perfect. Perfect. So, Ben, before we jumped into the SEO side of things uh, and, and how that relates to what you do, personality assessments, it does it better than anyone else. Is it, it Do you sell to businesses that use this for, for their use cases or, or who? Yes. GG is a B2B organization and there's a number of verticals that we sell into. Some of the primary verticals, one is higher ed. So we sell to colleges and universities, and they help prospective college students find a major. They help prospective applicants to a program, whether it's an undergraduate, a master's program, an EMBA program. Similarly with higher ed, we have an AI tutor product that allows professors and TAs and instructors to amplify their voice and curtail interactive lessons to students on an individual basis based on the personality type. So it helps you know, with retention, improves graduation rates. In the healthcare world, we're working with a number of different clinicians and healthcare providers to um, better onboard their patients so that they have a good understanding of what makes their patients tick before they ever come into the office. And then it helps those same providers give custom recovery programs to those patients in a way that they know they will follow to increase recovery times. And then the third major group that we're targeting are uh, hiring agencies. So anyone that needs to hire entry-level jobs, think UPS needing to hire thousands of truck drivers for the holidays, or Marriott needing to hire tens of thousands of front desk agents for their hotels. You're not necessarily evaluating someone based on their background experience or their prior experience, but you want to understand for that truck driver, can they handle being alone in a truck for 12 hours at the time? For a front desk agent, are they good with people? Are they the type of person that would thrive in the job? And that is a process that's typically, you know, very hands-on, time-consuming, repetitive, cumbersome, and it's something that Juji can automate. So, I mean, theoretically, this could also help you if you were in a space station and you wanted to close the pod bay doors and your name was Dave. <clears throat> is anyone getting the joke? <laughs> like, I'm imagining, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be completely dismissive, but like, this is seriously like, like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's like, you know, I need that robot there. I'm imagining having this sort of AI involved in like, like Mars missions, you know, and stuff like that, where people are, are in need of a little bit of like objective, uh, an objective read on, on their current state of mind. You know what I mean? It's impressive technology. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm into it. So I'm going to go down a little bit more. What is your history in AI? This is a, this is a very impressive AI. Yes. I, I saw Juji as a completely groundbreaking platform and technology that even the AI community has never really seen, which is, you know, my impetus for moving. Prior to Juji, I led customer experience and marketing at Converse Now AI. 
Converse Now is a voice AI provider that automates drive-through and phone ordering for leading restaurant chains. So Converse Now created its own proprietary conversational AI that would allow you to, you know, order a burger at your favorite drive-through chain or order a pizza at, you know, your favorite pizza place. And it mimics talking to a person. You can change your mind. You can ask questions. You can talk about the specials, etc. So excellent group. Absolutely enjoyed my my time with them and completely transforming the restaurant business. So that was that was my prior role with with AI. Let me ask you a question about that. And I'm interested in both that front and the Juji front. Um, like how how old uh, is is that company? Um, the, the one that you were originally at? So Converse Now was founded in 2018. Both of these companies have been around before AI was cool, quote unquote. So Converse Now began in 2018, built their own software. And then with the explosion of ChatGPT, Converse Now layered on what are called large language models or LLMs. Yep. That's what makes ChatGPT tick. And it, it really it really broadens the capability of, of any AI to answer more questions, provide better answers. So Converse Now layered that LLM onto its platform you know, in late 2022, Juji has been around since 2014 and has also um, layered on the generative AI LLM element to its platform. What did what did Juji like? What what did Juji look like before the LLM kind of came onto the scene? I mean, you can you can apply it to a lot of AI concepts as well. Everyone was operating with their own technology, right? Before ChatGPT, it was really hard to lease AI technology into your own platform. Juji was in this great position where these co-founders, Michelle and Huahai, they know the technology like the back of their hand. The cognitive AI existed to the same level of accuracy that it exists now. The generative AI has it's enabled Juji's chatbot tool that gathers the information to form these personality assessments. It allows that chatbot to be a lot more conversational. If you were to say, hey, how are you doing today? And you were to answer, oh, I'm doing great. You know, previously you would have to plug in, I'm doing great as a completely separate entry than, oh, I'm doing pretty good. It wouldn't necessarily link those two together, whereas the generative AI model will link any synonymous phrase together so that the AI can interpret it all into the same bucket that it's programmed to interpret. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea that the interface becoming, in a lot of ways, no different than how we interface with other people, that seems to be the, even if like Juji, for example, that's not the thing that Juji does that's remarkable or different from everybody else. However, that interface allows for that brilliance to be accessible in a way that, that never was before. And I ask these questions just because like, I'm curious, Drew, we're like way off the, <laughs> we're way off the prep uh prep guide here i don't really care anymore um yeah keep keep going keep like, going you're saying like at most it's been nine years since like the cognitive models behind what you, your your juji product have have existed but in all actuality like for a consumer of either either of these products it's really all been in the last like year, <laughs> couple of years that that it's come together in a way where everything is as conversational as it is. And and I guess what I'm saying is like, 
can you even imagine five years from now, like in, in your field, is that even possible to know where it's going or is it going to be so fast that it's it's a pointless exercise? Looking at five years from now, yes, it is extremely hard to tell where things will be. What I will say is that there is very much a hype wave that's going on with AI and you know, it's this new shiny object that a lot of people are really excited about. And we're in the Wild West with with AI technology. There's a lot of elements that will be, I guess, corralled over the next couple of months slash years. One of them is regulation. You look at the Biden administration. They just passed all these initiatives looking to put in a lot more guardrails, very necessarily so, around AI to make sure that it's being used in a safe way for consumers I think you're going to see a lot of drop off in terms of AI usage among organizations where it's not adding direct value. In cases where AI is not adding that value, people are going to stop using it. And there will definitely be a place for AI in so many aspects of our everyday lives. What it will look like in five years is, yes, it is very difficult to even imagine at this point, given that we don't know what AI is going to look like in five months, <laughs> even. But I think suffice it to say that a lot of businesses are going to be a lot more efficient as they hone in on how AI will best help them. I have a lot of emotions about a lot of the things that you said, because I've, I've been in the position as a product leader of like trying to understand how to na navigate the waters of AI, believing all along and saying all along exactly what you said, that where we can find the rote and repetitive, that's where we should be applying this technology but like in our world when it comes to marketing generative ai is the, is the beginning and the end of the conversation i feel like still like we are still in that that phase where like if you talk to marketers about ai the conversation you're effectively having is one where you're deciding to what extent you replace your creatives with ai programs and and i'm just i'm anxious to get past that initial wave on that because i feel like we're going to become superhuman if we could figure out a way to work together with it and if the executives in charge can figure out how to how to embrace AI as a supercharger rather than a replacement. I think we're in for a world of amazing things. Yeah, I, I think that the you bring up a really critical phrase here, which is supercharger rather than replacement. I've used similar terminology in the past, but AI, I don't think is going to end up taking away too many jobs. It, it, there will be some jobs that will be displaced that are dedicated to nothing but time consuming and repetitive tasks. But in looking at the field of marketing, content marketing specifically, I mean, AI allows one person to become 20 people. And I've led multiple marketing teams over my career thus far. And I've been waiting for something like generative AI for a long time to empower my teams to create the content necessary at the scale necessary to really grow a brand at the breakneck speed it needs to grow at. Yes. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me about how yeah. uh, you can use the, use AI to create content at that breakneck speed without creating crap content. My, my background is in copywriting. That's where I really got my start. I, I went to journalism school in undergrad oh. and actually started out my, my pre-MBA career as a food critic. So I, I wrote about restaurants uh, for many years. And I'm very critical of on-brand copy, on-brand style. And what I have found that generative AI is able to do at this stage is that it's able to give you a very solid foundation for the copy that you need to write, whether it's long form blog posts, white papers, case studies, et cetera, short form social posts, web copy, of course. 
I've found that I've spent so much of my time and, you know, my, my content team has spent so much of their time trying to ideate copy and go from zero to one. And what generative AI will do is it will give you that zero to one stage as long as you prompt it correctly, where we can now spend more of our time taking that copy from one to two. Yep. So I, I have yet to find a platform that will give me on-brand copy in the first draft or anything close to it. I've found that, you know, the generative AI that we have today is just very boilerplate copy. And it's it's frustrating, so to speak, but I see it as giving me that first draft. And it's not just allowed my team at Juji to create the copy that we need to create, but allows us to amplify or expand our scope within that copy. So instead of doing you know, one social media post a week, we can do four or five. Instead of doing a monthly blog post, we can do a blog post every week. You know, in terms of creating new case studies, et cetera, it allows us that foundation to get, you know, 40, 50% of the way there. I think the technology will evolve to give us something that's on brand where you can ingest your style guide and you can have, you know, AI spit out uh, a draft that'll get you 80% of the way there. We're not there yet, but I think that we're well on our way to being there. So that's the first part. Yep. I'm critical of the idea, and it's not what you said, Ben, to be clear. I just I just want to extend the conversation, but I'm critical of the idea that automated copy is going to get you 80% of the way there ever on like SEO content because it's just going to be flooded. The market's just going to be flooded. And so like, you know, the SEO industry, Google really has to figure out how to find the differentiator in in the sea of stuff that's been, you know, I, I just don't think brand voice is going to be that differentiator for that specific kind of thing, which is what the show's about, which is why I'm rooting your answer back into that. But I am very intrigued by the notion of like, where can we chip away yeah. at like the, the amount of time it takes to, to write something that we feel good about publishing? And how do we how do we get that going further? I for demand jump, as we look at our roadmap and, and how we want to integrate AI into our product. I think about, you know, what are the things that you have to do the same way every time you start writing a piece? Every time you start working on a new blog, you're going to do some basic research. Like you're going to go look at what's already on page one for the focus keyword that you're trying to target, right? And you're going to try to learn what is... What do those pieces have in common? What do they not have in common? Like, where are the gaps between them? Gap analysis, I think, is something that even modern, like current GPT is really, really good at. So uh, help, help me find some statistics that are relevant to the outline that I've built. You know, help me find some quotes that I can do. Stuff that'll give me more raw materials as a writer so that when it's time to actually put pen to paper and, like, get an, a finished article done, I've got maybe paragraphs here. I've got, you know, statistics and citations here. I've been all the research I need in one place. That's that That sort of thing is what excites me. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I I think that it's very fair to point out that it will be difficult to get you 80% of the way there, right? In terms of getting, you know, on-brand copy. I think that a really big thing that we'll be looking at a couple of maybe even months from now is how quickly Google's algorithm is going to change with the advent of new, yeah. you know, open AI GPT technology. Because I can imagine there being an integration between chat GPT, your brand style guide, and a service like ClearScope, you know, where ClearScope gives you basically the formula that you need to get a top search ranking for whatever topic you're writing about. And all of a sudden, when everyone is gaming the system in the same way, you're right, Google's going to have to respond 
in an unforeseen way yeah. to rebalance everything. So the ecosystem will change entirely. Well, it already has. And that's the thing. Like, like over the last year, Google's already done done a lot of the groundwork for making sure that content is winning because it deserves to. And, and of course, that's an arbitrary statement. Like what makes something deserve to win? You know, adding that extra E to EEAT to represent like individual perspectives, like actual human experience that's the part of all of this that I think is going to be very, very difficult without like, and maybe the last 20% and the last 20% is what contains a lot of what ends up making it work. Right. But I mean, to be clear, like if, if you're telling me, Hey Ryan, like go use GPT and develop some like social media posts or some ad copy for your brand. I feel a lot better about doing that. Even right now. I think, I think even right now, if I got, got some work in there and I trained uh, in AI, as I have done in a few cases, I could get pretty close to that. But it's just like, as soon as I move beyond the like, sort of like advertising brochure level creative, that's where I start wondering how long it's going to be before uh, writers have to start sweating. Oh yeah. And it's so critically important that content be engaging and enjoyable with generative AI you have the capability to create as much garbage content as you would like. And there's a lot of brands that just aren't savvy enough about their own brand or about what their consumers would want. And they just want to get content out there for the sake of having it. And that is rather dangerous for the brands because it's going to bring the brand down in terms of engagement. People aren't going to associate the brand with anything that they enjoy consuming. And it's going to make the brand less searchable. And it just makes content marketing look bad when you see garbage content that was created out of laziness. So I think that it's really going to be on marketers to put forth the same, if not more effort on personalizing that content and making it even more engaging because they don't have to spend as much time getting it from zero to one. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Being our uh, AI expert, Google's dependent on new human experience being added into their their system. The, the, the idea of them getting flooded with tons of net new content is exciting, but they need it to be, to your point, helpful content, useful content, engaging content. Do you foresee a future where Google can determine the percentage of AI, for example, AI generated content of a piece and punish or maybe not promote that piece? Or do you think that's beyond the realm of, of their capabilities? That, to my knowledge, already exists. Any platform is able to detect whether content was generated by AI in the same way that I don't know if you guys grew up with Turnitin.com writing a paper, yep. but you know, in the same way that Turnitin.com can detect plagiarized content, so can Google and any other platform detecting AI-generated content. And I wouldn't say that AI-generated content would be a punishable offense because one of the big cells of generative AI is that it generates content. I think what Google should be punishing users for, or rather creators of AI-based content for, is taking that AI content at face value, not doing their research, not clearing up any quote unquote hallucinations that AI may have. A hallucination is when AI just completely makes up statistics and quotes that are that. based on zero fact whatsoever. You know, being able to fact check AI is really important. Punishing people who don't do that fact checking beforehand and punishing people who are just copy and pasting AI without putting it into their own voice or style. Because look, maybe there is technology out there or there will clearly be technology out there that will make AI sound a bit better and more in someone's brand voice. 
And if, if you legitimately read that content and say, this is suitable, I need to make few, if any changes, and you publish it, Google should give the content a chance. And if people are engaging with it, if people aren't just bouncing off the page after 0.2 seconds and Google is determining people are reading this, people are engaging with it, they're enjoying it, then yes, that should be ranked higher. But if that content is out there and after a couple hundred or a couple thousand people see it, and they're seeing that no one's reading past the first paragraph, then yeah, that's where the creator should get into trouble. So a couple of things there. First, it was about a year ago that Neil Patel published his first study on AI content and Google's response to it. And the algorithm has changed many, many times since then. But initially, it did look like punishment was happening. He had 100 sites that were that were built with AI content. Half of them were just copy and pasted, like you said. No, no effort whatsoever put into them. The other half did have some human editors. And once the helpful content update of last year, not the, not the one in 2023, once that went out, there was like a 17% overnight drop in traffic to the copy and pasted ones. And something like a 6%, I think, dip in traffic to the edited ones. So it did look like there was going to be a little bit of that punishment happening. But I think I think the way to think about this is not whether or not Google is punishing anyone. This isn't about punishment. This is about prioritization. And I think that the problem that we all have to face is like, Ben, I, I agree in theory with what you're saying. I totally, totally do. If the content is engaging and it provides value, it deserves to win. And that's literally Google's line on that. That's the company line right now. Like if you're using it to, to produce helpful content that people actually appreciate, good for you. You're You're a smart person and you're doing your job well. But if there are hundreds or thousands of pieces that use that approach and like brand voice alone is the differentiator between them, I just think Google has a very difficult job choosing who gets to be on top. And I think that like that's why we have to incorporate like that named individual thought leader that Google is saying is going to be more important moving forward. Honestly, I think the only way to combat just like a flood of information that isn't actually unique taking over all search engine results pages is is going to be even B2B brands turning to individual thought leaders with names and resumes and experiences that they can tie their content to. Now, if you find someone who is willing to like use AI content generation to produce an article and get halfway there, and then the other half is dominated by a unique you know, perspective's take on things, that's where I think the sweet spot's going to be for probably at least the next year. Yeah, I think that's a very insightful perspective. And I really do think that you need a personal touch to just about any content that's out there and that basing the content's raking on the background of the person writing it. I think that's an interesting concept because it's certainly great to rate content for a writer for the New York Times, right? Over something that was generated by AI. But at the same time, what does that do to change the barriers to entry? If you are an aspiring blogger, will that hurt you in terms of growing your following because it's so much harder to get a foot in the door if you don't already have that street cred to back you up, if you don't have any prior history like the people who did once all these changes took place. You bring up a really interesting point and on paper, yeah, it seems like it makes all the sense in the world. I'm just worried for like the, the up and coming generation, right? Will that will it make things more difficult for them? Yeah, that's fair. That's interesting. Interesting thought that I hadn't thought about. I, I guess it, it would be similar to how, how companies are writing today and in the past, right? How it's a hard for the little company to come up and break through amongst the larger companies and just translating uh, I, that, I, I, transferring I, that to humans, I guess. Yeah, Drew, you're opening up a can of worms on that. I, <laughs> I think it's beyond the quality of content 
it is so hard for a young company to grow their online presence without just insane budget behind them because these big companies spend big dollars in order to rank organically (laughs) on things for the most part. Yeah. Big dollars that honestly, small companies can't even fathom when they see that. So they're actually spending. Which is why, for the record, I mean, that's why I wrote my book. That's why what Demand Jump does with with our software and our whole approach to pillar-based marketing is is so important. Like, I have the same passion for this that you have been for AI. Like, when you were like, you saw what Juji was doing, and you're like, I have to be a part of this because it's just it's just game changing. That's that's totally how I feel about Demand Jump and pillar-based marketing because we can we can take somebody who is literally building a website overnight from scratch and they'll be taken down. Fortune 50 companies within a couple of months just by aligning to the market and understanding what the market actually wants. And, and you know, there's a lot more to it than, than that nice little statement. It, it, it's some serious data science and serious engineering going on in the background. But like, yeah, like I'm interested in, in where those two sides meet when it comes to like digital marketing, like where we can use big data to better understand our audiences and therefore understand what is helpful, like what content is helpful and make sure that is our priority as publishers, because that's what we all need to be. But then like, like meet that sort of like level of confidence in what we're doing creatively with something that'll help us just execute that much faster. And I think we're not that far away from those two meeting in a really significant way. Oh, absolutely. And look, I'm, I'm looking at AI's role in content creation just allowing the entire system to evolve in the same way that the system has evolved with the early days of SEO, right? Like you look at keyword stuffing was a common practice in the early days of SEO because it worked. Right now, generative AI to an extent has worked in terms of boosting people's ranking just by getting more content out there. That is changing very quickly, but in the same way that SEO stuffing, you know, went from common practice to banned practice, we're going to see a big shift in how generative AI is treated. And, you know, Ryan, you've brought up so many interesting points on what Google could do in order to, I guess, push that system further. But like you said, they have a very tough job ahead of them in determining what that new system is going to look like. Agree. Very tough job. I think we should all give it up. Honestly, we should just all quit. (laughs) I think that would be what's best. (laughs) The internet just goes dark with new content. (laughs) I think it would be what's best for society. I'm just going to say. It's only Wednesday, right? Yeah, they do have a very tough job ahead of them. And like you said, uh, it's the wild, wild west. So we'll, we'll see where things land, but it's exciting. Ben, this was a fantastic conversation, and I do think we're going to have to do a follow-up where uh, Ryan and I use uh, Juji AI and see. Well, that would be a lot of fun. Definitely loop me in. We'll make it happen. I love it. All right. Before we go, we're going to hit what we call our lightning round. I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions. Sure. Question one, Ben, what was the last thing that you searched for? The last thing I searched for, just making a note, this this recording is being done the day after Halloween. The last thing I searched for were best Halloween movies. Ooh, okay. What did you watch? Yeah, did um, you watch one last night? What did you land on? Yeah. So I I did land on a Halloween movie. I want to make a note that this search was done and was driven by my wife. <laughs> and we saw Practical Magic, which is a late 90s you could call it Halloween themed movie, and it was much more of a chick flick. Um, I 
you know what? I just enjoyed the candy I was eating while I was watching. That's it. search engine and algorithms at work because I Practical Magic was being promoted on my televisions last night. Every oh. time I turned one on, whatever whatever streaming service it was. So, um, oh, interesting. They're hammering us, and they got you. It's like a cult cult movie, right? Like I think people love it who loved it then, and they still love it now. I mean, you know, Sandra Bullock and I'm I'm forgetting Nicole Kidman. Yeah, right? Nicole Kidman. That's right. You know, them in their heyday. Yeah, it was. I mean, you can't blame people for liking it. Ryan's in the cult. The fact that he's bringing up uh, bringing up knowledge like that, right? <laughs> he's a member. I just have an eidetic memory, and I remember every damn thing I see. I've never seen that movie, but I would if given the opportunity. <laughs> All right. Um, ben, one last question. Are there any books or movies, Halloween or not, uh, that have uh, made you a better marketer over your career? I'm going to give you one of the most influential books that I have read in terms of the business world. It's not marketing specific, but it's, it could help really anyone in business. And that would be Jim Collins, Good to Great. It identifies so many very basic elements that make any business work better. And they're not technical. They don't take a lot of work in theory, but they're just basic fundamentals that really do separate good companies from great companies. And I guess while I'm at it, I'm going to add Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Beautiful. Both, both great. We will link to both of those in the show notes. Ben, Fantastic conversation. Once again, we will do this uh, one more time. Great. Ryan, Drew, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Ben. This was uh, this was a mind melter. And I'm personally looking forward to not ever having to work again. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse. Are you ready to dive even deeper into pillar-based marketing? Here's your chance. The brand new book, Pillar-Based Marketing, a data-driven methodology for SEO and content that actually works by co-hosts Ryan Brock and Christopher Day is now available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook editions. Find it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or look for the link in the show notes.